Father, as we take this time to study your word, we're asking and praying for the Spirit of God to take over. As we begin this series over the next 40 days, emphasizing family, we're praying strongholds be broken. We're praying that healing will take place. We're praying that where people seem to have been irreversibly damaged, I'm praying today that through the power of God, a total healing can be realized. And so, Father, we thank you in advance. We praise your holy name in advance. We expect for God to move right now. Is our prayer in Jesus' name. Everyone say amen. And amen. Let's give them a round of applause. Right? Y'all, I, still, I noticed y'all start shouting when she got up. You thought that was a resurrection, right? <laughs> she just didn't have nowhere to go. Family, family's still dead. So again, we're just we're thankful. Alicia and her team, I don't know where Alicia is. They, they put that together. We, we are beginning today a, a series entitled 40 for Family. Uh, man, and it just so happens that while we're beginning this series, my mentor is in the building and his wife, David and Beverly Sedlicek. Isn't that ironic? Um, I want to say this. The reason why we, every year, we attempt to try to spend some time focusing on family, part of it is because of his influence. He was uh, my advisor to help me get my doctorate. Uh, or I, don't, I don't even remember when I got it. I'm just glad it's over. Amen? <laughs> I don't know. It's like two years. Like, who cares? Like, it's, it's over, right? So um, we praise God for that. Um, we're going to take some time talking about this. We're going into 40 days focused on family. We'll begin today. There are a couple of things that we're going to ask you to do. We really feel like life change doesn't take place so much in here. I think like church is kind of like, you know, it's like where you get inspired to make change. But real change takes place outside of the four walls of the building. Would you agree with that? And this is one of the reasons why so many of us are still stuck because we kind of come here and expect some kind of, of, of high, spiritual high to take place. But how many know the high doesn't last? Yeah, you got to get something to hold you over. And so there are two things we're going to ask you to do. Pastor Johnson's going to review it at the end of the message. I want to say it on the front end. Um, two things we're asking you to do. For the next 40 days, how many days did I say, everybody? 40. The next 40 days, we're asking you to do two things. It's your choice. You can do both or you can pick one. We're going to do a 40-day challenge. Every time, if you don't want a pastor that's going to ask you to do nothing outside of church, fire me. <laughs> like some folks, they just, they just come preach to me to tell me what I want to hear and then, <laughs> then mind your business after that. We ain't trying to do that. Uh, I want to be all in your business. Come on, say amen. Uh, in the sense that we want to see things happen at home. And so two things we're asking you to do. We'll tell you again at the end of the service. We're actually going to put something in your hand so you'll know. I just want you to be prepared for what we're going to ask. Number one, we're going to ask you to be a part of the Before 8 a.m. Club. Before 8 a.m. Club. So in other words, we're asking you to do two things before 8 a.m. if you so choose. First, get up and spend time with God. Before 8 a.m. And number two, exercise. Before 8 a.m. That's right. Y'all thought the grace thing, the grace fit thing was over? Some of y'all, some of y'all are so happy that the health series is over. Y'all was like, I'm about to go give me a Polish boy and a corned beef sandwich in the same day. Come on, say amen. <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't do it, saints. Don't do it. Somebody tell me to stop right now because they called me the other day and said, I'm going to get a Polish boy. I said, the devil is a lie. Don't even <laughs> resist, resist temptation. Um, Again, we recognize, like, I'm telling you right now, productivity normally starts before you even go to work. If you want a productive life, this is all research-based. They say your day is more productive if you make your bed. I don't know why, but it just happens. 
but especially your day is more productive if you get up and you exercise. And some of you guys are real scared of that. I can't exercise. I'm too old, too fat, too skinny, too black, white, whatever. I don't know. You just, you, any excuse. My hair too, too permed, whatever. You just make up stuff. Here's the thing. Um, if, if you do these things, you will recognize a gradual increase in your perception, not only for spiritual things, but your awareness of things in life. So get up in the morning before 8 o'clock, spend time with God. Number two, exercise. You may not lift weights, but get up, walk, walk. Uh, if you're in a building, go up and down the stairs like three or four times or something. I don't know, make up something, huh? Do some push-ups, do something. We actually have somebody in here today who lives in an apartment building and was taking the stairs. Khadijah, raise your hand. She was like, I'm going to do a couple of flights of stairs. I'm telling you, these things will radically shift where you are trying to go in life. And number two, you can add this or you can pick one or the other. We're asking you to have household or family worship uh, once a day for five days uh, out, of the, out, of the, out of the seven-day work week. You got me? Household worship. Some of you may not even understand how to do that. That's why I wrote a book about it. Oops, I got no hands. I actually wrote a book about that, and the book is going to be available for you today. For those of you who feel like uncomfortable, I don't don't buy books on Sabbath, don't worry. Every dime is going towards a building project. Amen? So you're really giving an offering. So the books will be available at the end of the service. It's called 40 Days. It's upside down. 40 Days to Life-Changing Family Worship. It's just a guide on what to do with all those folk in your house. I'm, I'm of the mindset that one of the reasons why worship is so weak and like fake at church is because folks only do it like once a week. <laughs> like if you if you if you had a house where this happened, at my house we do it in the car every day as we're on our way to school and we show enough have church. Matter of fact, my kids picked the theme for worship. Seriously, every year we had last year was beast mode. Like I know you don't know nothing about that. But some of y'all know I mean, I'm like, what's the theme gonna be? Can we go beast mode? So beast mode was about the Holy Spirit. It's like they're going to go beast mode. The only way they're going to do that is going to do it with the Holy Spirit. This year is savage faith. I was really confused about that, like savage, but uh, it works. I, mean, I just rolled with it. Savage faith. They just, it's, it sounds like beast mode part two, all right? <laughs> savage faith. That's what they do. So we spend time with God, and we realize the benefit that it has. You'll understand more about it as I talk about this today. I'm anxious to get in our subject. I know I'm talking fast, but I got a lot to cover in a short amount of time. If you're here, let me, see, let me hear you say yes. yes. If you are here, let me hear you say Yes. yes. All right. By the way, I do want to thank, I won't call them by name, but somebody knows I like Butterfingers. And they said, now that the, they said, now that Grace Fit is over, Pastor, we're going to give you, I was like, yeah, just give me a few. Brothers and sisters, somebody went to Costco. <laughs> I'm going to leave them nameless. But uh, praise God for that. We'll eat it in moderation throughout the year. <laughs> Actually, just, hey, look, hey, listen, me and my son, me and my son, we're home alone this weekend. My wife, uh, her sister had a baby, and her and Taylor are down there. So it's just me and Camden. As soon as, uh, you know, my wife left, we were like, yes, we'll stay up late. We'll have no vegetables. <laughs> like, we're going to eat cereal with milk, with candy in it. I don't know. We're just going to have So y'all pray for us this weekend. Um, let's, let's, get, let's get into our study today. As they told you, uh, 40 for Family, the theme is entitled Cold Black, Cold Black, Cold Black. Now, those of you... Uh, Cleveland now is totally dominated no longer by the industrial system. This is a medical town straight up all day, any day. If you work for University, Cleveland Clinic, or one of them, raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. And on the back of your ID card, they will have various color codes for various emergency codes that they'll call out in the hospital. Am I right about it? Uh, I've heard a code blue. I've heard a code red. Uh, But something struck my attention the other day. I saw a television show that's out right now called Code Black. And Code Black is really about a hospital in Los Angeles, true story, a hospital in Los Angeles. And this particular hospital, their Code Black means that they have less people in the emergency room, resources, less resources in the emergency room for what is needed at the moment. So they call Code Black. 
As I began to further research what cold black means, I noticed that it has several meanings depending on where the hospitals are, but I am noticing now they're trying to get more synchronized. In Europe, it's one thing, in some places, other. For example, in Missouri or in Kansas, a cold black essentially means that there is a tornado and there's an imminent threat to the hospital and everybody in it. Uh, probably closer to the East Coast and some of your other places, generally speaking, Code Black, I called my brother yesterday, he's an anesthesiologist down there in Columbus, and I said, what's Code Black down there? He said, Code Black means, he said, there's a bomb threat. So uh, just, let's just summarize, go to the next slide for me. Code Black essentially means that the worst case scenario, somebody say worst case scenario. The worst case scenario uh, has taken place as a threat to the existence of the hospital and everybody in it. So if code black is called, essentially it means that everybody's in danger, even the hospital. It's the highest level of an emergency. Are y'all with me now? Next slide. So if we were to talk about code black and family, you know, I can already see y'all now. Y'all like, I wish the pastor would go ahead and move this. But they did such a good job. I was just like, I like to look in there. I mean, so, so if you talk about code black in a family, what you're suggesting is, is that the worst possible scenario for the family has happened. So I'm going here. This is where I am now. I'm realizing that, that, that this whole notion that the family is dying, that the family is under attack, that's like the 80s. That's the 90s. You stuck in the early 2000s. Where we are right now is this, and please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. The devil is no longer the biggest threat to the family. No, we passed that now. The biggest threat to the family is that, and this is another cold black definition, is that people in the family are a personal threat to each other. And we're blaming the devil <laughs> like the devil is, is responsible for everything, even though people in families have choice to break cycles. Oh, I don't know about you, but I just, I, I just, I, I believe that if there is a curse in my family, if there is a cycle in my family, I don't, I don't believe that it has to stay that way. I believe that God has, the Bible says that, he, that, that, that the sins of the father, right, are passed down to the third and fourth generation. That's our, generation, that's our generational curse text. But we always leave this part out. But he will show mercy to a foul So Whatever my daddy did, I don't have to do it. I bind that thing in the name of Jesus. Come on in here, somebody. It does not have to be my destiny. And so when we begin to talk about cold black, we are really talking about an emergency situation. So today's subject, first and foremost, good to see Fred Montgomery, his wife, and all of his family. What are all these preachers doing here? Y'all must be on vacation. Hey, look, let's have a preach out right now. I'm going to go five minutes, and then y'all got another preacher here, uh, Pastor Indubisi Nduwade. Did I do that right? That was, that was close enough, yeah. We just call him BC. He's the pastor of Akron Bethel down in Akron. Amen. That's my boy. And so, I mean, I'm just honored that when folks on vacation, they come here to hear me make up stuff and say it sound crazy, right? All right, so uh, let, let, let's, let's, let's take a look at this. So today's subject is entitled Thicker Than Blood, Thicker Than Blood. Just the other day, just the other day, you may have seen it, and, and we we're going to post it on the screen. Uh, CNN uh, covered a story, I think it was August uh, 16th or something like that. And uh, there was a little girl who was abused so badly that she had a, a black eye, she had dry blood, the police showed up in the corner of her mouth, and uh, she had deep purple and blue uh, bruises all over her body. Now, here's the thing, other than the abuse. Now, let me blow your mind for one second. Are y'all still here? When they asked the child what her name was, the child, y'all heard this, right? The kid said, my name is Idiot. 
four years old. Now, they thought that maybe she, you know, she was trying to be funny, the four-year-old kid, you know, developmentally just not, not there, doesn't understand what we mean, asked again, what's your name? My name is Idiot, real talk. At this point, homegirl had been called Idiot so much, she thought her name was Idiot. This ain't a pastor story. You know, we make up stuff sometimes to make a point. This is real-life scenario. She's in a home with her mother and a live-in boyfriend. Now, when you start talking about redefining what a family is, for a lot of people, that's their situation. And they have to call him uncle. Well, this guy would snap tie her to the bed when she did kid stuff. Some of y'all used to get beat when you were kids for kid stuff. I'm sorry. I'm, I don't receive it. Black folk, y'all spank for the wrong. Y'all spank for everything. Too much stuff. Y'all spanking for being kids. The little kid was climbing, climbing up on the, uh, on, the, uh, on, the, uh, uh, on the countertops and so forth and so on, like a four-year-old does. And so boyfriend gets mad, and over and over again, he would, as a punishment, not, after he beat her, he would snap tie her to the bed and leave her in there for hours. And so I'm just saying, like, uh, we can talk about, yes, the devil is behind this. But we also have to recognize that there, in fact, is some personal responsibility that we have in order to break some stuff. And many of us, hear me now, many of us are simply repeating stuff that was done to us. And I'm telling you, culture is more powerful than the word of God. In your mind, it is. People will stand for what they value based on how they were raised. You can tell them what the word says. They'll go with how they were raised all day. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to tell you right now. If we for real were parenting, the way the Holy Ghost led us to parent, we would never have to raise our voice. Amen. But I'm telling you, ask my kids, man. I straight go in my father's mode when my kids do stuff. Straight up, man. I just, I mean, it's, it's natural. You know, I just start wanting to preach to them. My kid, I told you the other day, I just shame my kids with sermons. Why would you do that? The Lord died for your sins. And you decided to go to bed five minutes after the hour? You need to repent right now. All of you. I mean, I simply attempt to try to shame. And look, a lot of times we think shaming and embarrassing is discipline. And many of us are broken right now because of simply repeating cultural norms in our family system that really, come on, y'all, that really, and you're still doing it. Some of us just mean, and we're t- the generational curse in your family is to be mean and nasty. All y'all mean. Every woman in the family is mean. They all mean. I know what I'm talking about. All y'all mean, bitter. All of y'all. All the men in the family players. They all players. All of them. The elders, the deacons, every last one of them. They play every last one of them. And these are things. Oh, y'all not hearing me. These are things. That can be broken. Somebody say broken. They can be broken by a simple choice. And so when you even begin to ask the question, what is a family? Now, there used to be a day you said family and people got positive emotions about it. Matter of fact, Dwayne Hall, if you would have asked me when I first got to Cleveland about family, I'd have felt good about it. But within the first three years of me being here, my parents, after 36 years, got divorced. So, look, I'm totally different right now than I was when I got here. My view of family has shattered. And I'm going to tell you in this message today that, that not only is our hope for the family misguided, 
Listen to me. All my stuff was, let's focus on the family. But what do you mean by family? Most of us, when we say family, mommy, daddy, I mean, my setup with me, Shanae, and a boy and a girl is what most folks would call an ideal family situation. We were just talking in the last service, just sharing with you how there are some kids at school who felt some type of way and will say things to my daughter uh, sort of on a jealousy tip because my mom and dad are in the house and both married. So, for, for, so my point to you is this, not to elevate what we're doing, but to simply show you that when you say family, everybody ain't happy. Everybody ain't feeling it. Everybody don't want to talk about it. Everybody doesn't see butterflies and, 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 and feel good about what a family is. So, like, if you really want to know how people are thinking, you go to the Urban Dictionary. Don't go to Wikipedia. Wikipedia is going to tell you what they want you to know. All right. If you want to know how they are thinking, like them, go to, go to Urban Dictionary. Check this out. I put a family in the Urban Dictionary. This one came out. All kinds of relationships make up family. Family is not just an idealistic representation. So in other words, when you even say family for this generation, they're not thinking mommy and daddy. They're not. They're, they're thinking whoever is there for me. That's family. Go to the next one. Another definition of family, they say it's the source of pain. Wow. What's family to you? Family to me is pain. Next one. Then this blew my mind. It said it's the one thing in life. You can never change, and usually the one thing you want to the most. Oh, y'all, y'all missed that. That's it right there. Ask them what family is, and they say it's the one thing I can't change, but it's the one thing I wish I wish I never was born to this family. Talk to me in here, somebody. Y'all can sit up here and look cool all you want. I'm about to get all in y'all business in a second. How many of you know your family is crazy and are willing to throw your hand up real quick and put it back down before somebody sees it? Tell the truth. When you go to family reunion, they all turned up, lit, turned out everywhere, upside down, tore up from the flow up, wild and crazy. Come on in here. Some of y'all come up in here, act all holy and act all cool. You crazy and your family crazy. How about that? Some of y'all in here right now, for what the Holy Ghost, you bust a cap in somebody right now. Come on, say amen. You be, in, you be in board meeting, just feeling all some type of way. And you ain't thinking we're going to fight. You think I'm going to put him down. I mean, and and, you know, I used to have this real glorified view of my family. Y'all forgive me. I was just naive. Many of y'all did too. Daddy's a preacher. Mommy worked for the church. Preacher's wife came up in a preacher's family. But thank God, and I say thank God because I'm glad I no longer live under the illusion that there is such thing as a normal family. Ain't no such thing as normal family. The days of the Cleavers and the Beavers, the Beavers or the Cleavers, those are over. And then Andy Griffin and them began to open our eyes because Andy didn't have no wife. Come on, say amen. Then we got the Cosbys. We was all feeling some type of way. We got the Cosbys now. But now Bill Cosby done blew that, blow that the whole thing up because Cliff Huxtable and Bill Cosby, come on, say amen. Like all kind of stuff going on there. And so what we're beginning to realize, then you got shows like The Modern Family. We're starting to realize that when you say family, and this is what I want us to understand. As a church, we need to begin to embrace the abnormalities of families. Now, I'm not talking about two women. Talk about their family. I'm not talking about that. So don't get confused. I'm not talking about two men. I'm not, we're not talking about that. Well, I'm, that's, that's the small percentage. I'm talking about the greater percentage of families that's straight up jacked up. Come on now. 
and they're in the church. The amazing thing is we talk about how bad the church is. Oh, if the church would do this, church would do that. Stop saying that. The church is made up of a bunch of wickedly crazy families. And if church will change, and I'm going to argue in this message that church is family. Church is family. If, if the church is going to be what God wants it to be, then we must adopt a different definition of what family is. And let me tell you this. Most of y'all are already there because most of y'all come from irregular family situations. Some of you were raised by uncles. Some of you were raised by great aunts. Some of you call brothers and sisters what really is your cousin. Can I testify? I am the only biological child out of five. My sister was adopted when I was 18 months. She came as three-year-old, three-year-old from Korea. And so I, I'll be honest with you, I, I feel I'm really culturally sensitive when y'all call everybody that's Asian uh, a Chinese. See, I know the cultural distinctions. I can look and tell what's Japanese. I can look and see what's Chinese. I can look and see what's Korean. Some of y'all don't even know. I can know what the South Pacific's. I know the difference. And so I feel some type of way because... That's my sister. We have no blood relation, but she's family to me. It just blew. I'm, as I'm meditating on the word, I'm like, man, my family wasn't normal. My brother, who is my oldest brother, I call him my brother. He is my brother. People would often say, that's not your real brother. I'd say, he is my real brother. My mother, when she was working for a housing authority, uh, HUD, uh, Section 8, y'all don't know nothing about that. Y'all, good Adventists, y'all been middle class all your life. Anybody know about real government cheese, grilled cheese sandwiches? Throw them hands in the air. Come on in here, somebody. So, so my mom worked there, and this young man came to spend the weekend. His mother dying of AIDS. My mom said, come and hang with us this Friday night and have family worship with us. He ended up staying for the rest of his life. Went to DuPont, went to Pine Forge, went to Oakwood. Is a lay pastor right now in Chicago. Is he blood? No. But is he my brother? Heck yeah. He's more my brother than some of your blood relatives. And then my two cousins who went from foster home to foster home. I'm not going to be able to get to my whole message today. We're going to do part two next week. Who went to foster home to foster home. And I, you know, it just brings tears to my eyes when I think about the unspeakable things that happen. These are my blood cousins, my father's sister's children. And I'm telling you now, there are some things they couldn't, they have not recovered from. We're going to get into that in a second. They are my brothers and sisters. And, and when my parents brought them into the house, I'm telling you now, even, even me, as I say what my family is, I, I've got to be honest. My definition of family may not be yours. I don't have technically, technically, hear me now. I technically don't have no brothers and sisters. I ain't never had no grandparents. They was long dead before I got here. I don't hardly know nobody on my daddy's side of the family. My daddy came from stuff, came from Newark, New Jersey, got born in D.C., went to Newark, played football in North Carolina, and then all manner of drama in the family. But I'm telling you right now, no matter how you view what I call my family, I declare today I got a family. I got a family. And it doesn't. And I know I'm helping somebody today because most of you in here didn't come from normality. Reason why I know that, because you ain't normal. Come on in here. Come on in here, somebody. 
They listen, man. Sometimes I, I mesmerize myself with my own foolishness. Oh, y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. Anybody, listen, man, I know we shouldn't say this because of, of mental health industry. You don't want us to be more sensitive with it. But just for the sake of the sermon today, let's be anecdotal. Anybody, anybody here know you crazy? Stop playing with me. Tell the truth. I'm talking about you plum crazy. There's some stuff, if it wasn't for the grace of God. I'm telling you, if it wasn't for the Lord's mercies, you would have consumed yourself. All right, so I want to talk for a minute about childhood trauma, okay? I want to talk about childhood trauma. There was a TED, go to, go to the next one. There was a TED Talk. You got to see this TED Talk. You got to see this TED Talk. Um, some of y'all ain't know what TED Talk is. Google it, Saints. Just fact check me right now. Go ahead, just pull your phone out. Uh, there's a TED Talk was done by Dr. Nadine uh, Burks Harris. And she talked about childhood trauma. Specifically, the terminology that's used is called ACEs. Let's go to the next slide. In this, she began to break down that there is literally, according to the CDC, Center for Disease Control, they basically tell us what's a threat to society. Zika, they'll tell us. Ebola, they'll tell us. Right? They'll, they'll tell us these things that are a threat to society, right? Uh, 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 what's it? Denial virus. All these kinds of things that are a threat to They said one of the number one threats to society, we don't even have a, we don't have a, a legitimate functional uh, intervention for there's no way to even diagnose this in many cases with a typical doctor. They'll come in, they'll medicate you for ADHD, but this doctor in particular, she said she began to see a parallel between what psychologists and psychiatrists were diagnosing in children and childhood trauma. Y'all stay with me now. In other words, what's your, excuse me, what they begin to find out is that there is a direct connect, hear me now, between disease, mortality, depression, at-risk behavior such as drug addiction, alcohol addiction, etc., and even cancer and heart disease. They went so far as to suggest that, that childhood trauma is such a public hazard that it reduces our life expectancy by 20 years. Physical. We talk, this is what we're talking about. We're talking about physical. Everybody, everybody we kind of got a functional definition of physical abuse. We know what that is. Sexual abuse, we still a little, uh, we're not for real on that. Y'all think it has to be penetration or touch or rape. But I'm, I'm telling you, sexual abuse can be stuff you say and how you look at people. Those of you who work know what I'm talking about. called sexual harassment, right? And emotional abuse. What they are saying is more potent than all the other two. The way we talk to each other. Uh, physical or emotional neglect. Parental or mental illness. Some of us have been raised in families where we literally had our spirit interrupted because we are being raised by people who are not right. They're chemically off. And the abuse and the light followed. And they're saying, we don't even know how to respond to this. It reduces life expectancy. And this is why, y'all, 
I know I, 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 know I get the rap for, oh, hey, Pastor, you're too nice. You need, to, you need to come down on folk and deal with them. It's hard to do that when you look at center instead of circumference. Look, y'all, I mean, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just, I mean, I just, I mean, help me out now. Like, this is the ball, right? The outside of this ball is circumference. It's what you can see. Y'all see what color is this ball? But there's something inside of this red ball that makes it bounce. And all I'm saying is, is there's a reason why people come in here bouncing the way they do. There's a reason why people behave the way they do. There's a reason why people live the way they do. And no, I'm not up for kicking everybody out the church and beating down on everybody when they grew up in a household with a mother who was strung out on crack. Or with a daddy that never said he loved them. Or where they, where they had to grow up too soon. I'm talking about in the church. As a, I hate to even say this. Some of y'all get offended when I say this. Do y'all think I'm putting the church on front street? I have, I have had calls to leaders' homes throughout my ministry where I had to stop fights. I've, I've been called to situations where children would go blow their parents' brains out if they put their hand on their mama one more time. And then they come in here and they may have dreadlocks or they come in here and they may have it and they have something pierced or they may be tatted up. I don't even see that no more. Yeah. I see that there's something in that ball that makes it bounce the way they do. Yeah. I'm telling y'all, we have, because of what happens in our family, we got to get up. We have to have a whole new culture in the church. It has to be saturated in grace and saturated in mercy. The Bible says where sin abounds, grace doth much more abound. Go on. Some other things here. Parental separation. I remember, you know, while I was going through this thing, somebody said to me when my parents divorced, man, Pastor, you was really getting really emotional about your parents' divorce. It was in the most flippant, like, dude, it's just divorce. You see, divorce is so common now that, like, dude, you get no sympathy from nobody. Pull yourself together. You're 36 years old. What's wrong with you? Well, I'm 36 years old, and everything that I thought was true ended up being a lie. Forgive me. <laughs> Forgive me for having to make the adjustment that once what was, was alive is now dead, and a divorce is a death. And it, I mean, some, I mean, look, you know, you adults, I mean, y'all get married four times and you're just trying to find your love all the while your kids is casualties. Yeah. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm just trying to tell you that for every action, there's a reaction. Whatsoever a man sows, somebody else might have to reap it. Right. I'm not of the mindset you should just stay for the kids, but think about it. Domestic violence. Lord have mercy. Go on. Increased risk. Listen, and because of childhood trauma. Now I'm about to shock, I'm about to shock your mind. Because of childhood trauma, you are at risk of the top 10 causes of death in America. Not because of what you eat, not because of what you drink, but because of the family you came in. Some of us got all kind of social issues. We can't even really connect with folks. And I just had to come to this conclusion, Dr. Selichek. Some people ain't going to never stay married. 
They're going to go, I'm telling you, 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 you don't believe it. They're going to go to heaven been married seven times. God going to get them in on grace. The divorce is not the unpardonable sin. And just stop it. I know what the word says. But the word also says lying is an abomination unto the Lord. And you done lied 50, 100 times. Some people, hear me now, I'm not trying to make an excuse for brokenness, but you need to see the level, the, the depth of what has happened to people that causes them to function the way they function. And some people will never be in a committed relationship. They're too broken. Hey, it amazes me, like, I mean, if your uncle has been putting his hands down your pants for the first 10 years of your life, then why won't you be promiscuous? Why won't you be a lesbian? I'll take it even further than this. You dog men all the time. Why would she like men? Are y'all hearing me? What I'm simply trying to get you to understand is the level of depth. I'm talking about sin. Sin is deeper than behavior. Sin is family. And now what God designed, Lord have mercy, the very thing that God designed to, to, to reveal the love of Christ, to express the gospel of Jesus Christ, to show us what unconditional love is. Now the very thing God has established for the purpose of saving us is the very thing that hurts and destroys us. Watch this number. Put that, put that number up there. 67%. Shelly of people in this room have experienced childhood trauma. 70% of us have experienced childhood trauma. Some of us, look, I'm telling you, it's an amazing thing, Dr. Sedlicek, because, see, the thing about childhood trauma is so deep that you often need professional help to even begin to understand what happened to you. There are some of us here right now, you are still 17, socially, sexually, spiritually, emotionally, because something was violated in you at that time. And the only, I'm telling you now, there is no physician that can heal this. The only thing that can fix this is the blood of Jesus. I wish they would just stop doing, they just need to stop doing what they're doing. How they gonna stop? Unless God gives them power to do it. This is how it's illustrated. Let me, this is how it's illustrated. I'm going to have to preach this part next, next, next Sabbath, uh, Dwayne. We talked about it earlier. But, I, but Jesus, what I'm going to tell you about next Sabbath is Jesus' definition of family. Blew me away. Totally out the box. Watch this, though. So, you know, you know most of us, 70% of us, have experienced childhood trauma. And therefore, we have arrested development. What word did I say, everybody? We've got arrested development in various areas of our lives that we cannot grow in unless we experience the gospel. Notice what I said. It's the gospel. It could be the gospel through counseling, Fred. It could be the gospel, but it has to be gospel-centered. What do you mean by that, Pastor? I'm talking about accepting 
The idea that no matter how messed up I am and how much I messed up other people, I am totally, 100%, unilaterally accepted by Jesus. I am loved. Look, his love has not changed because I messed up. It don't matter how many abortions you had, Jesus loves you more after the 10th abortion than he loved you after the first. That's the gospel. But you don't get that at home. At home, you get works. If you're a good boy, then I'll give you a cookie. If you're nice to me, I'll be nice to you. If you behave, I'm struggling in how to raise my kids as a grace-based parent. We inadvertently teach them works. We inadvertently teach them anti-gospel by the way we raise our families. If there's, in, if there's ever a thank you, Jesus, hallelujah. If there's ever a place where we ought to experience unconditional love, Y'all don't even get, y'all can't even shout over what I'm saying because many of you have never felt it before. Try this. Try walking into your bedroom as a pastor, leading people to Christ after preaching a sermon at a major event, broken by the Holy Spirit. Look your wife in the eye and say, baby, I got an addiction to pornography. And my wife turns around and says, I love you now just like I loved you when we made our vows. I've not just experienced the gospel because somebody preached it. I experienced the gospel because my wife gave it to me. And so when I hear about the gospel, when I hear that he loves me, that he loves me, that he loves me, no matter what I do, I can't help but praise him. I can't help but worship. I can't help but lift my hands. I can't help but dance before him. I'm a mess and I know it. Have I got anybody in here willing to be honest right now? No, you are messed, but it's because of the grace of God. So, and we told you this in the health series. When you are stressed, cortisol is released. God gave you that. Help you to handle that thing. And adrenaline. I mean, case in point, as I told first service, you know, you do stuff you never thought you could do. Some of y'all old as the hills of Yeboah. But let, but let a dog come by. Talking about, I, I can't exercise. All 300 pounds of you get to moving. Come on, say amen. Huh? huh? Look at, look, looking like Usain Bolt out there. Hey, look, God gave you adrenaline. For fight or for flight. So the illustration that, that she gave that I want to suggest to you is, I want you to see the depth of what happens with childhood trauma. It's this. It's so, so when you see a lion, your heart starts beating. Your, your palms get sweaty. Your forehead gets sweaty. Huh? And you're thinking survival. And you don't, you don't, you don't care what. I'm telling you. I have seen this at work in my own life. I remember my brother. Um, we had a gold... 1987 Volvo Turbo Diesel. Y'all remember that? The ones that used to smoke like crazy. The car was heavy as a mug. And so my brother was trying to impress my father. He's like, man, I want to, you know, I'm going to do some stuff. I'm going to change this tire. So he got in the garage changing the tire. While he's changing the tire, he did not put the jack on properly. The car fell on him. No lie. True story. I swear this is not a preacher story. This is the truth. The car falls on his leg. 
He cries out, help. I'm 13, my brother's 11. We picked the car up. Adrenaline kicked in, cortisol, you know what I'm saying, calmed us down, and we lift the car up. That was a little Jesus, too. Come on, say amen. The Lord helped us, too. Come on. Hey, that wasn't all adrenaline. Amen. But adrenaline will do that, right? God-given. But here's the problem. Too much adrenaline and too much cortisol can kill you. It's not supposed to stew in your body. It becomes toxic if it's in there too long. Watch this. So if you grow up in a home with a mean mama and you're terrified of her all the time, you are constantly in a state of a lion trying to kill you. Your body is breaking down. And here's the thing that I didn't realize. Developmentally and with neuroplasticity, your brain is underdeveloped. That's why you can't love nobody. Because when your daddy kept leaving and coming back and leaving and coming back, and when your mama kept leaving and gave you to your aunt and gave you to your grandmother and then finally came back with the drug addiction, you don't trust nobody. Preacher, get up talking about trusting the Lord with all your heart. And you saying, I can't trust nobody. You grow up in a home where you're afraid of your daddy. He, don't, he ain't never nice. Ain't never said he loved you. I don't know what it, I mean, I got to do a whole sermon on anger. Because I'm telling you, we are the angriest people on the planet. We are angry folk. Just mad. Wake up mad. By the way, there's science to this. You know, when you wake up, you have a high doses of cortisol that's released that generally downs you. Makes you down. You wake up angry. I know I wake up angry. For no reason. Sun is shining. I'm mad. My wife, seriously, my wife had to check me. She was like, dude, like, you're going into the bedroom and you're rushing the kids to get ready so you're not late. But the way you're saying it, like, I'm receiving this thing right now. Y'all don't understand. Like, I'm, like, on angry mode. I got to check. Listen, I'm not, ain't nobody born righteous. I'm trying to tell y'all, you cannot transmit righteousness to your kids. Stop all that mess. Nobody believe that lie. You are not all that. You, the only thing you can pass down to your kids is problems. Middle class problems, upper middle class problems, black problems, white problems. The only thing that we can transmit is dysfunction. You cannot pass down righteousness. You don't have that. Where do I get it? The only place I can get righteousness is there is a fountain filled with blood. Drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Sinners can plunge beneath the flood. Lose all their guilty stains. Therefore, I defy and I dismiss the notion that when you come to church, we're supposed to change your family. It don't even make biblical sense. The church and the family ain't two different things. If you are a believer, your family is church. How many know, listen, like, I need help. I'm not going to sit up here and lie about it. Some of y'all, I got it together. You know, we raised our child in such a way and... They're going to be A, B, and C because we believe in certain standards. Listen, they have your genes. And you are a fool and you know it. It just hasn't manifested. What you've taught them to do is how to be fake. Down, I mean, you know, in private school. You know, I kids, they wear uniforms. They just, I mean, these kids, when they have uniforms on, they look holy, man. 
But we know they not. Come on, come on. Y'all I mean, you in church, you got your hat on, tilted. I mean, the way you wave your hand just signifies I made it. <laughs> but your kids know differently. Let me end here. I'm going to have to pick this up next week. Let's end on this text. Go to the next one. God, God's original purpose for the family is going, is going to blow your mind. So watch this. So here's the text. Now, this is God's original. What did I say, everybody? Watch what happens. He says, so God created man in his own what? Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Look, even, even now, I'm going to say this because I need to help some folks. I don't care if they're a female that has changed their physical anatomy to a male. They're in the image of God. Calm your behind down. You're mean, and you're in the image of God. Do, do you see what we're doing here? Yeah. It's like they're bad. No, no, we all, listen, we all got it. It's, all, it's in the food. Come on, y'all. It's in, it's in the water. We all got it. Notice, but, 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 our, but he made us in his what, y'all? Now watch this. And then verse 28 says, and then God did what? Oh, there's so much richness in that text. Check this out. Your father and your mother, when you were born, could not do this. You have never blessed your kids. You've cursed them. Just through the birth canal. When, when, come on now. When, when egg and sperm connected, it was an explosion of disease. An explosion of pain. Are y'all hearing me in here today? But look at what God, God's design for the family was not that the family would cause more pain to each other, but that the family would bless each other. If there's ever a place where I should be encouraged, if there's ever a place where I should be accepted, if there's ever a place where I should receive mercy, if there's ever a place where people ought to understand me, where people should feel me, it should not have to be out there. It should be with the folk that I live with every day. But that is not the case. And listen to me. What I'm going to tell you next week is this. It cannot be the case. Listen to what I'm about to say. I don't have time to get into it today. But the words of Christ tell us that God's original design for the family has been abandoned. The mission has been aborted. All the families have failed. Adam and Eve failed. Adam left his wife all by herself. Y'all can twist that and put it on Eve all you want. Where was Adam? And then when his wife got called out, he started blaming her. Then, then their children, you're hoping that Cain and Abel will have some hope. First thing comes out of Cain's mouth is, he is not my brother. The family failed. Am I my brother's keeper? And then he killed him dead. Then he looked for Abraham and said, surely, Abraham, you can fix this thing because uh, you trust me. And the Bible worked through Abraham. But y'all know Abraham's children, which was uh, Isaac and, and Jacob and, and the boys, they were crazy, y'all. There was incense and murder and bloodshed in that family. Yet, even through that bloodline came a king named David. 
and you say to yourself, surely David, he is a man after God's own heart. David will rescue the family, make the family what it is. But David found himself hot and horny on top of a mountain when he should have been at war. And he left the vow that he had committed and slept with Bathsheba and got her pregnant and killed her husband. Kids in there, so we're going to keep it 100 in here. I'm telling y'all now, you can look. <laughs> David failed, and then David's children failed. Lord, have mercy. And then comes down to the bloodline a, a, a couple that, that, that just got engaged. They minding their own business, and the Holy Ghost shows up to this girl and, and says to her, Listen, I, I, I've got a plan for you that's going to fix your jacked up family. She said, what? He said, he said the Holy Ghost is going to come upon you and he's going to put, put, put something inside of you. His name will be called Emmanuel. God with us. The Bible says that Joseph wasn't feeling that thing and, and, and he was going to put her away. Lord have mercy. So where my Joseph's at in here? Come on in here. Where my Joseph's at in here? You don't love him that much. Amen. Uh, Joseph said, I got to put her away. He said, I'll do it quietly. The Bible says he was a righteous man. So he said, I'll do it quietly. But the Holy Ghost got a hold to him. And he said, no, 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 Joseph. This thing is of the Lord. I'm trying to save you and your family. The Bible says that the child came forth. Oh, I can't wait to talk about this next week. The child came forth. And these are the words that came out of the child's mouth. Say, hey, Jesus, uh, I want to go, before I follow you, I want to go bury my... uh, my, one of my family members. Come on now. Come on. He said, man, put your family aside. Either you with me or you with them. Jesus then said, he says, unless you hate your mother and your father, your wife or your children, you cannot follow me. Now let's preach that for family day. What is Jesus saying? And then, 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 which I'm going to deal with uh, more, 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 more in detail next week. Uh, Jesus, uh, the, the crowds are getting big, and, and people are following him. And, and his brothers and sisters, he had brothers and sisters, yes, y'all. Yes, yes, his yes, brothers and sisters, yes, yes, uh, they were starting to feel like Jesus was letting his rock stardom get to his head. In Mark 3, the Bible says some of his relatives or his friends, folks he grew up with. You got to watch out, folks you grew up with. Yeah. Some of y'all grew up with folk and grew in the house with folk, but they're not family. I know what I'm talking about. Am I, am I preaching? Am I, am I telling the truth? I'm telling the truth. Blood don't mean family. Blood mean biology. How many, let's rejoice. How many can celebrate right now that the Lord has put folk in your life? They, don't know, they, they ain't nowhere near your kin, but they are family. Jesus. Jesus is in there teaching. The crowds are getting big. They send some of his relatives down there to him. And his, his homeboys from back in the day when Jesus used to roll with the dudes and do stuff and chill. You know, he wasn't out there. He was different than the rest of those cats. And they always felt like he was, you know, weird. So they was like, you know, he's already weird. So uh, he's letting this little crowd status. Now, you know the jealousy is there. He's, Jesus is the weird kid. Now he done blown up. Where are my weird kids at in here? When they mocked you and made fun of you when you was a kid. Now you done blown up now. Oh, uh, I wasn't the coolest kid in school, but I'm visiting them in prison now. Oh, now. Huh? 
They said, hold on, we need to check him. His parents, his family, according to spirit prophecy, sent Jesus. I said, hold on, we, we, we got to calm him down. The Bible literally says he's going crazy because he would go days without, without eating and he was spending nights in prayer and, and then he was, he was dogging the Pharisees, the religious establishment. And they felt like, hold on, you're making us look bad. And so they came to Jesus and said, hold on, we got to shut this down. And the Bible says they literally, this is in Mark 3, seized him. <laughs> oh, no, no. This blew my mind, man. They literally said, we're going to put our hands on Jesus. That's how you know they was his boys from back in the day. How many of y'all know no matter where you go in life and what kind of degree you got and, you know what I'm saying, where you live, you got some of them folk from back in the day from the hood that don't care what your name is, don't care what letters you got behind your name. They can roll up on your behind right now and say, shit your behind down. Huh? Am I telling the truth? They rolled up on Jesus. The Bible says they seized him to restrain him, basically telling him, stop this mission of yours. For whatever the, the Bible doesn't say that they, the Bible doesn't say they were successful. Uh, I don't know why. Maybe because he's King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Maybe because he's always going where he's coming from to get to where he is. Find out he's already there. I don't know. Maybe because he's all powerful. They did not. His family did not understand him. And so then they had to send in the Calvary. I'm closing. So they sent his mom and his brothers. As they did, Dwayne. They said. Uh, go, listen, his mom, the, the, he'll respond to his mom. Jesus is in there teaching, got his boys around him, family. His mom and them stand outside. The Greek says they hollered at him. Greek said, basically said, tell Jesus, get his behind out here. Who are you? I'm his mama. <laughs> hey, that's gangster. That's gangster. I don't care who he healed. I don't care why. I, I heard he raised people from the dead. I'm his mama. <laughs> Get his behind out here. His brother's standing there like, yeah, yeah. Tell him to come out here now. The Bible said they went in there. Folks were like, look, Jesus, your mom and your dad and your brothers going to get you. They said, you need to come out here now. Jesus, gangster, y'all. Yes, sir. Watch this. Let me show you why Jesus has aborted our normal understanding of family. Watch what he says. He says, uh, uh, listen here. He said, you see these folks in here? He said, um, whoever does the will of my father, those are my family. Good evening, y'all. Y'all have a good day. God bless you. May the Lord bless you real good. But I just want to tell you, that blood is not thicker than water. God is thicker than blood. Come on, say amen here. And God does not need your biological family in order to make you what you need to be. Somebody needs to hear that today. No matter how messed up your family is, Jesus said, I'll put people in your life. They may not be flesh. They may not be blood, but I've assigned them to you. Woo! I've designed for them to pour into you, to encourage you, when your mother and your father forsake you, the Lord will take you up. Have I got anybody in here today that can throw your blessed hands in the air and say, I did not have a perfect family, but I thank God he opened it up. I just don't need my biological mom and dad. But whoever, wherever, there's somebody that knows the name of the Lord. That's my brother. That's my sister. My family is bigger than 
the Lord is my father. Jesus is my brother. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. He'll be with me to the end. Have I got anybody here today that can celebrate right now? Your family tried to kill you, but Jesus' family saved you. Glory! The Lord said, I have a solution for the dysfunction in your family. Because some of us have family members ain't saved. They wouldn't know how to raise you if they tried. They wouldn't know how to love you. I'm I'm going to tell you right now. You cannot love people the way they need to be loved unless you have experience the unconditional love of Jesus Christ. They can send you to college. They can put, not, put you in a nice car. They can give you a trust fund. But they cannot give you the peace that passes understanding. The safety that only comes from God. The security that says no matter how fat I am and how buck my teeth are and how nappy my head is and how big my hips are or how small they are or, or how much acne I got or how bald I am or how much eczema I got or sickle cell I got, how much AIDS I got. How many know today no matter who I am or what I am, the Lord loves me. Listen, I'm telling you, I know I'm telling the truth. Go ahead, Willie. Go ahead, just play something. I'm, let me tell you something, y'all. Coming from a home where we had over 70 people live with us. Sorry, my definition of family a little different. I grab a hold to people real easily. Because I realize that God is not just, and some of y'all, y'all only concerned about your little family. You want your kids to be saved. And this is what I'm trying to tell you. Jesus said, "Uh uh-uh, that ain't your family. He said, your family is anybody trying to do the will of God. He's my brother. That's my sister. These folks is my mothers. That's word, y'all. That's word. And listen, what I found out is we need that. Because 67% of us in here came from some adverse circumstances where we need some supplemental family. Come on, say amen. Let's stand right now. Sing something now. Let's let the Lord lead you, brother. Let's just go into worship right now. What What we're going to do, your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed. Let's begin to thank God for every person he put in our lives that's not flesh and blood. Let's thank him for the flesh and blood that he put in our lives. But let's just pause right now. Just thank the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I know your stuff is not perfect, but praise him that it ain't as bad as it could be. Amen. Come on, saints. Oh, how he loves us, how he loves us. We're singing, you know, how he loves us. Have I got any survivors in here today? Oh, 
Thank you, Lord. You survived your family. Yes, God. Because God had a bigger family for you. How he loves us so. Stop saying you don't have no daddy. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. He loves us. Come on, 